Mike Scharfenberg, Game Plan You Today, and welcome to a special lunchtime edition of Interview with Influencers. As always, thank you for, for spending part of your day with us. Um, and, you know, we hope that besides for your, your sandwich or, uh, what, you know, pasta, meat, whatever uh, dish of choice you have for lunch and your midday coffee, we hope you got a pad and pen ready. Uh, we have a really special guest uh, set to join us. He's one of the rising up and coming stars in the sport industry. Um, so glad to have David Estevez join us, uh, which I will bring him on in a second. Uh, but, but before we, we, we bring in our very special guest today, just a few housekeeping items. Uh, first and foremost, and speaking of coffee, um, I know I, I made it known on LinkedIn, uh, but I, I'm putting, setting aside um, some time each week for career seekers out there, my colleagues in the sport industry, to have a virtual cup of coffee and just connect about you know anything, talk shop, um, state of the industry, where it's going, career advice, anything you want to talk about, um, I, I'd love to, to connect. Um, so feel free to drop me an email. Uh, emails below, mike at gameplanu.org. Grab a spot on the calendar and uh, would love to to connect with anyone. Um, next piece of housekeeping I have, again, just that's a reminder. Um, this show is for you, right, at the end of the day. And we encourage this to be an active and engaging experience. So let's have the, let's, let's, let's get that comment section hot, right? Let's comment, comment with any questions, any, any uh, points that you want to bring up. Uh, as well as put in your LinkedIn accounts and, and personal information and, and really use that as an opportunity to, to network and, and grow your brand. So I just wanted to, to remind you of that. And without further ado, let's not waste any more time uh, during your lunch breaks here. Let's introduce our special guest. He is a fellow University of New Haven alum and the current coordinator of partnership marketing with Brooklyn Sports Entertainment and someone who has played a, a critical role in my career and my development. So very pleased to welcome David Estevez to the show. Big virtual round of applause, David. Welcome. I think uh, have a little trouble yeah. hearing you there. Hold on. Yeah. There, there it is. The good old mute button. There we go. Sorry about that. Happy to be on. Thanks for having me on the show. Of course, of course. And uh, I'm glad we uh, I know we've been trying to arrange it for a while. So I'm glad you, uh, you know, we were finally able to uh, book in a date. Um, so before, you know, we, we don't like wasting time. We like getting right into it. Um, but before we, we, we jump in, I, I do have to ask you a question, right? So no Kyrie, no Katie, no Levert, no Joe Harris, no Jared Allen. But, uh, you know, fear not, you have Timothy Larabu Cabrero, Lance Thomas, Justin Harrison and Chris mm -hmm. uh, Chioza. And a plus fourteen hundred money line, and you take down the Bucks. How about that? We do not fear the deer down here in Brooklyn. We don't fear them at all. No, that was a that was a surprise win for all of us. I think we were all caught off guard. I, we knew as a team that we're tough, and this goes back to last year too. Like just us making the playoffs without any quote unquote superstars. Um, we we had it in us, but. It made me happy to see that team kind of go out there and really do their thing and, and work together. Just It's just a testament to our team, our culture, and our coach more so than anything else. Yeah, I think it stems from the, from the top down in the organization just being gritty. And, I mean, when the when the big guns come back, that's uh, going to be a scary, scary team. So I uh, had, to, had to throw in that little uh, little shout out there. So so let's dive into it, David. Um, let's, let's start with you. Obviously, you've been very successful in a short span of time with your career. Uh, but let's let's take a step back all the way to the University of New Haven or even before then. 
Um, what is it about the, the business side of sports that attracted you to say, this is what I want to do with my career? Um, so I'll, I'll backtrack even before UNH, um, more so like high school. I think we're all in that same boat. I feel like a lot of people that end up working in sports fall into this category where we were athletes in high school, whether it was JV, varsity, whatever. We were around sports during that those critical teenage years. Same thing for me. Like high school was when I was playing basketball for my high school team. I actually went to school two blocks away from where the Barclays Center is right now. Um, I watched the arena actually be, be built. They broke ground, I want to say, like my freshman, sophomore year, and they opened it my senior year. And my high school had our graduation inside of the arena. We were the first school to actually hold the graduation in the venue itself. Um, and to be honest, it was in that moment. I was walking through the tunnels, going to get my diploma, got my face big on the Jumbotron. That's when I realized, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to work here somehow, some way. Um, by senior year, I had kind of realized I'm not going to be a D1 five-star athlete. So I was like, let me let me hedge my bets and figure out the best way for me to kind of be around sports for the rest of my life. Because um, I knew that was my passion. That was really the only thing that interested me in high school and what I really wanted to focus on. So from there, I went to New Haven to kind of hone my skills. They had a great sports management program that kind of attracted me. Um, they put me in the fast track program, which gave me the opportunity to graduate early and hopefully get some real world experience right away. So that that it just made the most sense for me career wise to go to, to to New Haven and here we are today. I, I grinded. I, I had one one mind, one track mind that whole time. I knew I wanted to work, be back in Brooklyn, work for the Nets. So made it happen through a lot a lot of luck, a lot of grinding, and I'm happy to say that I'm in a good space today now. Yeah, 100%. I think, uh, you know, another shameless plug to to UNH, but they really do have a great sport management department, um, really emphasizing that experiential learning, which which is just so critical, especially in sports. If you want to get into it, you, you need to get your foot in the door, whether volunteering experience or, or whatever you can do. So let's speak to that, David. I know we always like to hit on the importance of getting your start in the industry, right? You got to start somewhere and everyone's journey is different. Um, so how did you get your start in the industry? Where, where was that first foot in the door moment for you? So I want to say my first foot in the door was at New Haven, my first internship. So while I was there, I was lucky enough to do a lot of jobs on campus. So I made sure that anything I could get my hands on, I, 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 I'm from Brooklyn, New York, so I don't drive. So when I went up to New Haven, the, the four or five years that I was there on campus, I didn't have a car to kind of take me around and get a bunch of outside of campus experience. So I really honed in on, on doing as much as I could on campus while I was there. So I was an RA. I worked at the rec center as a supervisor for sports. Um, I worked with the career development center doing resumes for, for other students and stuff like that. And through those experiences, I met a lot of cool people that kind of vouched for me and were in my corner. And it was actually through my experience with the career development center that I met one of the heads of the department who his main focus was kind of bringing in jobs for students. I, he grew a liking to me. We networked a lot. We grabbed lunch together. And he really went out of his way to vouch for me and get me an internship with NBC Sports, which was huge at the time. Um, they have a very rigorous interview process for the interns. I had to sit in a room and record myself answering like 10 questions, which is the most awkward thing possible. I know everyone's going through this new digital age where everything's on Zoom. But just imagine just sitting there with no one actually talking to you and you're reading off your answers to these questions without trying to mess up because you only get two takes and that's it. Um, 
it was definitely a difficult process, but because I had an internal champion who was vouching for me with the HR department, I was able to get the internship to the point when I got hired and I was doing my um, introductions to the whole company and we were going through all that good first day stuff where we're meeting who we're going to work with. The lead of HR who was in charge of all the interns actually came to me and they're like, oh, you're David? That guy from the CDC just kept hitting us up every single day, making sure that we we flagged you. So we had to bring you in. Um, so. That, that was kind of my foot in the door. It was great an experience too. Um, I was at their headquarters in Stanford and I got to see how NBC Sports kind of navigated everything. So I was in their executive suite. So I was actually reporting straight to the CEO, CMO and their CFO um, indirectly. I was reporting to their um, executives or, or their assistants who were then helping me kind of guide me and learn how to teach me how the industry kind of works in that sense. So it was cool. Um, everybody was super open. I was able to sit down with a lot of those executive leaders and kind of just pick their brains, hear how they got their breaks in the industry. And they, they kind of explained the lay of the land. I got to sit in for a lot of cool broadcasts. Um, I became a little bit of buddy buddy with the executive producer and we would, he was a Celtics fan. I was naturally a Nets fan. So we would chop it up and then poke fun at each other on that front. Um, but it was a great experience. I got, that was my first foray into the sports industry, got to see how it worked on the back end and, and really get some real world experience. And for me personally, that was also when I realized that I wanted to kind of do marketing, um, getting to connect with the CMO and kind of work on projects on that front. I was like, this is really the interesting part that I want to be a part of. I don't want to do other things outside of this. So from there, um, I ended up graduating from my undergrad that same year. And I started working for the New York Red Bulls for a few months. Um, I was on their activation team. Um, which was cool. I was getting real world experience, getting hands on and really outside kind of doing activations during game days, making sure fans were engaged, making sure our pop-ups are working, doing cool stuff like that. Did that for a few months. And then I got my offer to come back to to New Haven for my master's degree, um, which obviously I couldn't turn down. So I did that. And then after graduating my master's degree, I, I dove straight in. I applied to probably like 20 jobs with the Brooklyn Nets. Didn't hear back from any of them threw my resume in through to this one part-time minimum wage job, which was handing out flyers in the streets of New York, garnering interest for the Nets. That was the one job they got back to me on. I took it. I knew what I wanted to do. I was like, hey, a foot in the door is a foot in the door. Um, and the rest is history here. Here I am today, two years later, still working for the team. Been promoted twice in that time span, and, and it's been great. Love, I love that. And, and to go back on two things you said, the one is the building the relationships. And I think that's what led you, you know, originally into sales, but in that initial role you had, and, and it just, it, it, that's what skyrocketed you, right? Is being able to speak to people, communicate, help solve their problems. And, and I think too, um, is just your, your insight to, again, with those relationships um, and, and taking whatever opportunity that you have in front of you. And I think that's important, right? So you had an incredible opportunity with NBC Sports. I mean, that, like you said, is a, is a blue chip, uh, is a blue chip opportunity, uh, very difficult process, right? So you're going through New Haven, you know, you're confident, you said, I got this internship, but then you realize you applied for 20 jobs and you got a minimum wage job right out. So it's, yeah. you know, it's a little bit of humble pie, you know, and there's a lot of that going around for everyone. Um, but speak to the, you know, first the career seekers out there, that willingness to volunteer or take a, a less paying job and to, to go out there and prove yourself. So speak to that point a little bit and the importance of that. Yeah. So I think coming out of my MBA, I realized pretty fast, like the sports industry is super small and it's all about who, you know, um, hence why I was, I struggled trying to get that first job with the Nets. I had a lot of networking through New Haven in 
New England. So I had some people at the Celtics and obviously local sports teams in Connecticut, but nothing here in New York to where I wanted to work with any of the teams here. So I was really going in without really having that extensive network. And I knew that all I needed was to get my foot in the door and start building that relationships with the right people. So I took any opportunity that was going to give me that, knowing that I had the confidence in myself that I'm I'm a hard worker and I'm going to go in there and make sure that whoever I'm interacting with every single day knows that I'm a hard worker and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And that was the mentality I went in. I, they gave me this part-time minimum, minimum wage job and they gave me a little key card to have access into the office every day, even though technically... I only had a reason to be in there once a week when we would have our team meetings before they sent us out into the streets to to hand out flyers. I made sure that I was in there pretty much every day. Um, that that card that card access didn't turn off for me, so I would come in, scan in in the morning if I could, sit down with someone on the sales floor or anybody in the in, internally that I knew, um, and just shadow them for the day, ask questions, have conversations, grab lunch, do whatever I could so that people in the office knew who I was, knew my face, knew my name. And ultimately, that's what kind of helped me. I think after doing that for two months, they saw like, hey, this kid wants to be here. He's going to grind. Um, he's more than qualified to do the jobs that we need him to do. And they actually ended up making a whole new position that didn't exist before me for me to kind of be brought in full time. Um, and that was great. I, I started in that sales role, selling sweets, premium tickets and and those premium experiences, which was a fun experience. Got to learn how to sell, got to, to kind of grind my teeth and uh and spray and dial. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It, it was a great experience and, and met a lot of cool people. And then from there, just kept continuing building that my brand, building those relationships internally, externally to the, to the point where I could leverage the position that I'm in now, because I ultimately was able to build all those great relationships. Yeah. Well, that, that's a fantastic point. And, um, you know, especially now with COVID, I mean, it's always been the case, but especially now is, executives and, and higher level reps are always willing to give you that time if you're willing to to take the step to initiate it, to initiate it right um, so mm -hmm. that, that's a great point out there to, to the career seekers is is make that initial effort and and you'll get a, re a return tenfold um, and I think that again for you that's what separated you you and your career and again it's not who you know it's not who knows you or who you know it's who knows you right mm -hmm. and when you're good you don't have to tell people you're good they're gonna tell it for you yep. perfect example of you getting a position made for you. So, um, so let's talk. So you went from, you kind of hit on it, but you went from a street from the, uh, BSC street team to a premium hospitality rep with, which first off skipping inside sales, you know, account executive, that is just, if you're in the sales and service industry, that's an incredible, you know, feat in itself. So, uh, so you made that jump and then you made the jump over to the coordinator, um, your current role as coordinator of partnership marketing, right? So talk about your current role and what your day-to-day -day looks like. Yeah. So now uh, my current role, I get to work a lot more with our sponsors and a lot more with our marketing assets, which is great. Um, I have my MBA in, in marketing. So that was kind of the career path I wanted to gear myself towards. So in my day to day now, I get to work hand in hand with a lot of our corporate sponsors, um, whether that's the Constellations of the World, Corona, Modelo, uh, the Red Bulls, the smaller brands like the Gravity Blankets. I, I run the gambit. I get to kind of work hand in hand with a lot of those brands. Um, and it's a lot of fun. I think for me, I always knew that I wanted to be really deep dived into the sports industry as a whole, and especially with the Nets. I wanted to kind of interact with every part of this business. Um, that year I spent selling tickets was great. Got to meet a lot of cool people, but I knew that I wanted more. Um, I wanted to 
kind of branch out and really experience the whole company and the whole industry as a whole versus just the one singular path of ticket sales. So it's great because now every day on any given day, I could be doing a different role. Um, there are days where I'm still selling tickets. I, I go to our sponsors and I'm asking them what hospitality packages they want and kind of figuring that out for them. And then there are days where I'm working with marketing. I'm going through mocks and designs and figuring out what makes the most sense for our brands. And there are days where I'm game pres. I'm on the court itself, making sure that presentation is good, making sure that our sponsors are being brought to the right court, making sure they're getting the right ball for game ball delivery, so on and so forth. Um, so it's a lot of fun. I, I get to kind of put on a bunch of different hats, which is what I wanted to do because now I, I'm pretty sure at this point I know every single person in the company. Um, if not, I know 99% of them because I've had to work with them at some point in some capacity. So it, it's a great experience to kind of jump around and get to know all of these different people and all the different things that they do within BSC Global. But then on the larger scale too, I'm working so closely with these brands that I get to learn about different industries that I never really thought of in the past. So I know a lot more about the beer industry than I would have known before because I worked directly with our Corona and Modelo sponsors. I know a lot about the energy drinks industry, uh, the direct to consumer industry, all these different sponsors kind of let us get a peek behind the hood. Um, Cause granted we, we have to work with them on a day-to-day -day basis. So we have to understand their business. Um, I make it a point to understand what their KPIs are, what they're looking to kind of get out of our partnership. So I try to do my best to understand their businesses in and out so that I could then do my job better. Um, and it helps. It's, it's great because everyone's super willing to kind of pull that curtain behind because we're working together. So I, I not only do I get to know full scope what the sports industry is like, I get to know what every other industry I work I work with is like, which is an awesome experience. Yeah, just get, get to get to see everything, like you said, and being that Swiss Army knife, just having you, you kind of having your hand and dipping it in to everything, right? And then I think that that bodes well for you moving forward in your career. Obviously, you know with your trajectory already, you're not stopping. You're you're hungry and you want to keep going. So that just gives you a great opportunity to meet people and and see different opportunities where you could uh, you know fit in in the future. And I think at the end of the day, it hit me too. Um, you don't just have to have a you know our role in the ticket sales and service industry is is not to sell you tickets, is to solve a problem and create memorable experiences. And that mm -hmm. just goes to show it doesn't matter what role you are with an organization. It could be down to the ushers. Your yep. job there is to make a memorable experience. So I, I love that, that that you hit on it. Um, so now with with Corona and the pandemic and everything going on, right? So let's let's shift the conversation there. Um, obviously, I'm sure it's been it, it was fortunate for you guys that you got at least have the majority of your season. Um, but unfortunately, with the end of the season and now with the bubble, it's been a completely 360 shift to what you thought. Um, mm -hmm. So let's let's speak to a little bit to the sponsor activation and your communication with the sponsors. What is that looking like now outside of the arena? Now that you know you don't have the signage and all the the in arena or in venue activations. Yeah, so it's been an interesting shift. Um, traditionally, a lot of our sponsors are coming in with, like you said, hard assets. So that's like the signage at the arena, signage in game, all that good stuff. Um, and over the last few months, it's really been conversations of transitioning that to, towards more of an online presence. So a lot of the hard assets that we had in Arena, we tried our best to transition as much as possible towards digital assets, whether that's through social media, um, through the television broadcast. The NBA has done a great job of kind of figuring out new ways that we can integrate ourselves. So I don't know how much of the, the, the NBA games you've seen, but... If you watch any of the games, you'll notice that on the aprons, we still have signage as if we're on a home court. So you'll still see Barclays branding on a Nets game on the court if you're watching our home broadcast. 
but the NBA was able to figure it out along with their partners, ESPN and TNT, all those broadcasting partners that they have. They were able to figure out a way to kind of digitally get all of those brandings onto the court and into the broadcast, which made it so much easier for us because now we could go to a lot of our partners because more often than not, those big naming brands, anything that's on the court, stuff like that, those are our larger partners that are coming in with seven, eight figure deals. So we have to we have to do our best to kind of deliver as much as we could there. So the fact that the NBA gave us the opportunity to kind of still come through with those assets and bring those into the Orlando games was perfect. Um, and it's been great because I think across the board, it's even higher value now because before, if you're watching a game on TV, let's say the Nets were playing the Bulls. If we were playing the Bulls in Chicago, you would see Chicago branding. So the Nets side, like all of our sponsors wouldn't get much branding. But now with these Orlando games, if you're watching a Nets game and you're watching on the Nets homecast, so if you're on Yes Network watching the game, you'll see our branding whether or not it's a home or away game. And granted, home or away games are kind of all the same down in Orlando. This is all playing on the same court. But it is cool that now for all eight games, we get to see our sponsors' logos on the courts and on, on, and in the broadcast versus it just being half the games. Um, so the NBA has been great with the technology. I think they've also been so forward with everything that they want to do that they've come to us and they've, they've told us, hey, we want to do this technology-wise, like the fan wall, for example. I know that's a big thing a lot of people are getting kind of exposure on is our virtu virtual fans, which I've been fortunate enough to run for my department here with the net side. Um, and got to kind of see behind the curtain and see how everything works. And it's been amazing. The NBA was able to come up with this whole process, this whole new technology that didn't even exist before this. They came up with it and were able to onboard us and get us all on board within two or three weeks to kind of make it as smooth and as seamless as possible. And it's been great. It's given us an opportunity across the board, especially on our hospitality side and experience side to kind of re-engage our, our season ticket members and say, hey, I know we don't have these games happening in the arena at this moment in time, but we could still get you in the arena for these games. Let's get you in virtually as a fan. You won't be in your seat, but you'll be on screen, you'll be on TV, and we'll give you that access, which is great. And then on the back end, the interface works so smoothly that it, it, it's not difficult for our fans to get on board. It's as simple as them logging in as if they're on a Zoom call, but instead of having a conversation with a bunch of other people, they're just watching the game and their face happens to be on screen. Um, so it, it, the NBA has been super, super forward thinking with their technology and integrating the rest of us into it. And it's been great. We've had a lot of co conversations with them. Every day we're, we're connecting with our NBA reps down in the bubble. Um, and we also have a couple of people on, not on the marketing team, but obviously we have our, our basketball ops people who are down there that we have relationships with. And, and they're helping us out wherever we can to kind of make sure everything goes as smoothly as possible. So I think... That's going to be a big thing going forward. Like technology is going to be a huge push across the industry. I think you're going to see a lot of more leagues, a lot of more teams taking this technological approach with a lot more pushes on digital, on social, um, being more creative with their broadcasts, so on and so forth. So the landscape is fun. I, I'm excited for the future because I'm a big tech guy. So this looks good for me. Yeah, no, I love it. And I know it's uh, it's not a Nets example, but um, you know, I know I saw during the Celtic game, Paul Pierce was sitting there watching the whole game and it's like, that is just so cool. And, you know, say you're the, the block of, or the screen next to him on either side, like that is a memorable, even if you're not, that's a memorable experience for, and you know, you see a lot of father and sons and, and moms and just families and that, and that's what you want to see. And again, yep. going back to creating those memorable experience. So, um, follow up to that and you kind of segued in very, very nicely. It's like, we planned this, but, uh, to, to the tech, to the tech piece. Right. So in and out, you know, obviously now this is out of 
venue in vet, like there's no fans right now. So fast forward, we have a vaccine back to normal, fingers crossed, right? 2021. What is, what do you see in and out of venue activation looking like? Is there any, you know, plays that you see down the line yeah, that speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think, I think initially we're going to still stick with a lot of digital stuff. I think once the world does go back to normal, um, I know we, we spoke about this a couple of weeks back when we connected. Like, I, I think people will, are hungry for sports and people will want to be in sports. Have you ever seen any pictures of baseball games in the 20s during the Spanish flu pandemic? They're still, the crowd is filled and everyone's just wearing masks as if that's a normal thing for them. So I think we will eventually grow to that same comfortability where everybody's okay with being in large, large crowds again, as long as there's safety protocols that are being followed. Um, and it's more so like it, watching a game on TV is one thing and, and you can enjoy it to a certain extent, but at some point you're going to want to be like, I want to be there and I want to be in that atmosphere. So the hunger is there. I think we're going to go back to, to live venues again eventually. Um, and I think once we do, the sponsorship side is going to be so interesting because yeah, sure. We'll still be able to, we'll still have value in those hard assets of signage since we'll have people back in the building. But I think we're all going to approach everything in a different mindset of instead of it just being a hard asset, what can we do to supplement it via digital, via our digital channels? Whether that's something we could do through the phones. I know we, we have a team app, so maybe we'll start integrating that app more. And once fans are inside the arena, they get geo-targeted and, and get sent certain sponsored offers and stuff like that. Who knows? I think I think we are definitely going to push that front on the technology side. I know, at least in the Brooklyn in Brooklyn with the Nets, um, our new governor Joe Sy and his family are super big on the technology front. Um, they are going straight ahead, and they they want to push as much as they could to be as technologically forward as possible. Um, and the NBA as a whole is also pushing for that. So I know we're going to get that push from both sides, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm interested to see how this all turns out. Um, all things considered, I think we're going to see a lot of co-activations through phones, a lot of co-activations with new social media platforms that pop up. And I think it's going to go hand in hand with fans being in the arena. I think on that note, too, I think VR, AR is going to be huge. I could totally see a few teams kind of taking that approach. I know a few years ago, um, the Le NBA League Pass was even starting to do VR experiences where you could sit on your couch and kind of feel like you're sitting courtside. Um, so I, I totally see stuff like that being at the forefront and us kind of integrating that into the everyday programming that we have on the sponsorship front going forward. Yeah, 100%. And I, that's a sensitive point for me because um, I know that's coming. And while that's great, I'm just of the camp of there's nothing. You can't replace going to this, the venue and going to the game and hugging strangers and memorable moments and losing your voice. And, you know, it, there's just you can't replace that. So nope. I think I think there it's the happy medium, right? I think it's going to be, uh, you know, the fans that want to stay home, you can. The venue will always be there because you can't replace that. And I think another great point that you brought up is, you know, well, signage is fantastic, and that's been the traditional way of, you know, sponsorship, right? And that and that's how it's been, you know, for countless countless years. Um, but just like tickets and having hard paper tickets, they're moving out. And I think with the digital, like you said, moving to that end. That's now trackable. And now yep. all these companies will have, you know, analytics is a term that's been thrown around a lot the last few years, but it's only growing. So get used to it. Uh, but now you're able to track clicks and, and the, the companies and sponsors are now able to justify spending all that money, you know, millions of dollars on, on ads and all of that stuff. So great yep. point there. I love that point. Um, so let, now let's dive back 
to to the real heart of this podcast, right? And and what really brought you know us and, and wanting to do this together is the career seekers and helping them out. Um, so in regards to mentorship, and you know you've you've helped me along the way in my career and played it played a key role for me. Um, but what do you see as the value of having a mentor, especially in the sports space? I think it's huge. Um, like I mentioned earlier, sports is a small world. Um, we're all kind of interconnected in some way, shape, or form, and a lot of people tend to go from team to team. So I think having a mentor is huge, somebody that you could kind of lean on to ask questions and help guide you in your career as you go forward. I actually was speaking with one of my mentors this morning, um, the guy that actually hired me for Street Team. Um, he's our director for premium sales. He's a great guy, high energy. He has a lot of experience. He used to work at MSG for a few years, came over to the Nets, been here for a few years. So he's he's one of the best dudes that I know in the industry, always willing to help. And anytime I hit him up, I always get a new nugget to kind of take away with me, which is huge. Um, and, I th and at the end of the day, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for him. He's the one that kind of took a chance on me and brought me in uh, to start Street Team and help me kind of progress and promote me with internally. So I owe a lot to him. And and Having a mentor like that is huge. Um, I know he was an internal champion for me. I know he vouched for me anytime I was looking to move up or looking for that promotion. And I knew he had my back and I knew that I could always go turn to him if I had a question. So having someone like that in your corner is big. Um, it's also great to kind of help navigate the world in, t in terms of sports because there's so many moving parts. Like, yeah, there, there's a select few teams, a select few leagues, at least here in the States. Um, and people tend to stay in there for a very long time. Like if if you're lucky to get a good job in sports, you're probably not going to leave it. Um, so you, you'll find a lot of times that a lot of these guys are staying in positions for five, six, seven, ten years, ten plus, um, which isn't as common in other industries. So it's it's great to kind of have people like that who have the lay of the land, who've been doing the same thing for a while to be in your corner because they could help guide you, make sure that you're doing the right thing, make sure you're meeting the right people. Um, Cause if you've been in this industry for 10 years, chances are you probably know everyone in the industry by that point, um, or at least in your given league or, or, or sport. So it's huge to kind of meet those people because they could introduce you to your next boss or your next coworker or who knows. Um, so I think having a mentor is huge to kind of lean on them to kind of ask those questions. And, and even the mentorship kind of relationship that we have, even though we're so close in age, um, it was great when, uh, Jada told me that you wanted to reach out and we connected and I was more than happy to kind of give you some any advice that I might have because I was in your shoes not too long ago. So anything that I could do to kind of pay it forward is great. And I know that there are a lot of people in the industry that feel the same way. Like we getting into sports is tough. And a lot of us had to struggle to kind of get in here and get to positions that we want to. So anything we could do to help somebody else break break in and get their foot in the door, we're going to do it because we were in their shoes at some point. So yeah, I think having a mentor is huge. And I think to all of you out there, um, if you don't have one, try to find one. They could come from anywhere. It doesn't have to be a 10-year vet. It doesn't have to be the head of a department. It could be Joe in your class who just happened to have two or three more internships than you did. He Just because he has a little bit more experience, that, that's huge. And he's willing to, if he's willing to share that experience with you, that's big time because now you kind of get to see behind the curtain and, and kind of guide your own decisions going forward. No, and, and that's a fabulous point. I think you know, with speaking with Rob and Logan and you and PJ from the Yankees and all of my mentors that I have, um, you guys have motivated me. And that's that's the core of this podcast is just to help help others and build those relationships. And now we have a great relationship. And who knows down the line where we're going to end up if we, you know, we end up working together side by side. So you, you never know where it's going to go. And it, it's I think it's important to, to point to and I always like to stress this point is 
having a mentor is great and it's critical, but it's up to the mentee to, to drive that relationship. The mentor will, will help you in any way they can, but the, the mentee really needs to put in that effort. And, you know, you, you can get, uh, if say your mentor wants to recommend you, he's not going to recommend you if you're not putting in that work. So at mm -hmm. the end of the day, you need to grind um, and, and put in that effort. So in, in regards to that, you know, building off that point, what do you see that relationship of the mentee and the mentor? How does that look in your eyes? I think it's a, like you said, I think it's a symbiotic relationship, like definitely more heavy on the mentee to do the outreach and kind of connect. But on the mentor side, we always got to do our best to kind of help out wherever we could. Um, and it's, it's the most beneficial when the mentee is engaged. Like it's, especially for someone trying to break into the industry, the people that are usually in the industry are kind of busy and they have a lot of things to, to kind of manage and, and bounce around. So it's hard for them sometimes to be as engaged as they would like to. So it's up to the mentee to reach out and be like, hey, do you have some time for coffee or for a quick lunch or a quick chat, phone call, whatever it may be, to kind of just build that relationship. I think a lot, of, in this day and age, a lot of people just think like, hey, let me shoot a message out on LinkedIn. Boom, this is my mentor. And I'll say hi and bye on LinkedIn every now and then, but never sit down and have an actual conversation with the person. That's that's missing the point right there. I think the whole point of a men, men, having a mentor is not to just have somebody you could just message and be like, hey, can you write me a recommendation? If that person doesn't know you. If they have no way of, of building a relationship with you, they're not going to be willing to go that extra step for you. So as a mentee, just go and make sure you're going that extra mile to be like, hey, let me make sure this person knows who I am. They have a relationship with me and it, it'll help you out down the line. Cause then you never know if that meant, if your mentor all, all of a sudden is in a position where they're hiring, you might be the first person they think of if that role fits for you. And they wouldn't know whether or not that fits for you if they don't know who you are as a person. So I think it, it, it's a symbiotic relationship where the mentee definitely has to do the outreach and, uh, and some of the heavy lifting to kind of build the relationship. But once that's there, the mentor has a lot, has a lot of heavy lifting to do to kind of make sure they help out the mentee as much as possible to, to help them progress, develop, learn skills, introduce them to the right people, invite them to events, stuff like that. Genuine relationship. That, that, uh, that, that's going to be one of my closing remarks when we, when we end in a few minutes. I think that is so huge in everything, right? Um, building real strong relationships. And I know when you and I connect and, and with Logan as well, it's like we spend half the time just just shooting the shooting the shit and just communicating yeah. and just how's the family you know what's new and that and that's a real genuine relationship it's not get, get me this job or introduce me to this person because if yep. you did a good job at building that relationship you're the first person that's going to come to mind when there's an opening at a bsc or with the yankees or with the mets that that person will recommend you so love that point so last last question and this really stands uh for where we are now so put it this way, you have the class of 2019, a lot of them still looking for jobs. Class of 2020, looking for jobs. It is a tough market right now. Um, you also have a lot of great professionals that have been let go or furloughed that are free agents. So you're, you, it, I, you know, we're not gonna sugarcoat it. You got a lot of competition looking to get into sports right now, regardless of the field. So the thing now is you have a lot of extra time, a lot of extra time if you're a career seeker and looking to get into sports to be doing things right now to separate yourself when the industry opens up. So what would you, what are some things that you would recommend to sport industry career seekers that they can be doing today to start building that, building that personal brand and, and becoming the, the most valuable asset they can when the industry opens up? I think it goes back to the, well, what we've kind of been touching on a lot in this conversation is just 
reaching out to people. Like I, at the end of the day, I got my break in industry because I made sure that I built that relationship and showed them that I was hungry and went above and beyond. I think today, a lot of the people in the sports industry are not sitting around doing nothing, but we don't have as much of our, on our plate as we did as if sports was live and actually happening in arenas. So a lot of us have the time to kind of have a conversation with you if you reach out. So if you're out there looking for a job, I would do anything and everything in my power to kind of reach out to HR reps at different teams. If you have a, an idea of what field you want to go into, whether that's marketing, sales, uh, game press, whatever it may be, find people that are in that field, in that industry for a team or for a sport that you ideally would want to work for and connect with them, whether that's on LinkedIn or email or cold call, whatever it may be. D do that outreach to kind of put yourself above everyone else because not everyone else is doing that. A lot of times in this day and age, a lot of people are just spraying and praying with their resumes, throwing it out there, sending cold emails without having a relationship. It's a lot easier for you to send in a resume and send in an email to somebody if they know who you are. If they already know your name, as soon as your name pops up in that email screen or in that LinkedIn message, they'll be like, oh, okay, Mike reached out to me. Great, let me open this versus it being somebody that they have no idea who it is. Um, so I think that's probably the best thing you could do right now, differentiate yourself. We all have the time. Most of us in the industry are more than happy to kind of network with you and, and build those relationships because you never know where anybody may be down the line. So reach out. Um, if you if you get a cold shoulder, so be it. Just keep reaching out. Next next person up, next batter up, and keep going down the list. Um, that, that's probably my biggest piece of advice. Just reach out to everyone and anyone that you feel could help you and might be leading you down the path you want to take. There's the sales, the sales background right there, right? You got to become, become uncomfortable uh, being uncomfortable. 100%. If, if you get shut down, who cares? Who cares? Move on to the next and, and put it this way. If you wanted to reach out for five minutes to have a virtual cup of coffee or have a conversation, if that rep doesn't want to give you the time, that may not be a good relationship for you anyways, you know, exactly. or at least give you the courtesy of, you know, I'm busy. Let's reconnect down the line. So. Um, very great point there. You know, I don't want to take too much more of your time. Um, I know we're, we're running low here, but I would love to get your final thoughts on anything on, and kind of, I'll let you kind of take this where you want to go on anything we've talked about, anything we haven't, just what would be your, your final thoughts to, to the career seekers out there? I think, uh, my final thoughts that this is great. I know what you're doing, the, this whole interview series and this podcast has, has been amazing. I've been following since you started it up. Um, and I love it. I love seeing everyone that you've, you've been able to bring on. You and Rob have been doing a great job of getting a lot of great influencers on the show. So this is great. I think for all you career seekers out there, definitely just grind. Um, I think my biggest piece of advice that I've been giving to a lot of people that have reached out to me recently is take what's given. Um, I know all of us are in a, in a rough position right now. Um, I can't imagine what it's like for all of you trying to get jobs during a pandemic. But at the end of the day, we're all kind of in the same boat. Everyone's going through the same thing. So you kind of have to figure out the best way for you to kind of differentiate yourself and kind of put yourself apart from everyone else. So do what you could. And if at this point in time, if you get a job that you feel isn't the job for you, don't take that with all the heaviness. Take it with a grain of salt. Just hit the ground running. Um, if they give you something that you feel isn't what you ultimately want to do, that doesn't mean it's your job for forever. You could take whatever it is that they give you to kind of get your foot in the door. But once you're in the door, you're in. You're in the door. Everyone gets to know you. You, you show your work ethic, and it's going to pay off tenfold, trust me. Um, and that's not just from my personal experience. That's from the experiences and, and conversations that I've had with a lot of people in the industry, a lot of my coworkers, and a lot of people from different teams. They've all said the same thing. Once you get your foot in the door and start building those relationships and show your work ethic, people notice, and you will be rewarded for it down the line.
yeah, it's those transferable skills, right? And I know this uh, personal experience when I when I was with the Yankees at the, day one. You know, there were 13 of us on our summer sales team, and they said, you know, the majority of you probably sales is not for you, and you're going to find that out. But if you can show us your personality and and what it's like and and what your work ethic, all the things you said, we'll find a spot for you. And if we can't find a spot for you, we'll find a spot in another organization for you. And right. that and that really kind of brings I feel felt bringing our conversation kind of full circle with build those genuine relationships, right? Um, so again, David, my friend, I don't want to take too much more of your time. Thank you so much for, for joining us. I know you hinted at it, um, but feel free to, to reach out to David on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm sure he would love to, to have a conversation with you and, uh, answer any questions you have. Um, so David, uh, you know, I know lunchtime's over, so, uh, thanks again for joining us and, you know, get back to work and good luck, uh, to the Nets down there in the bubble down in Orlando. Definitely. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. We'll reconnect soon, my man. Bye. Take care. So David Estevez, what what a guy. Um, you know, he really, really dropped a lot of knowledge on us today, like all of our guests do. Um, I think so. So so my final thoughts um, is just genuine relationships. Don't go into any relationships with any expectations. Just go in and, and just build that relationship. Connect. You know, reach out. How's your family? And, and just it's it. Those will all help you down the line. Um, and I think my, my, my next final thought is I'm not sure who saw it, but this really this st stuck out to me and I wanted to share, share with the audience is, um, for those familiar, I'm sure you all are with, uh, Dwayne, the rock Don uh, Johnson. So his dream was to, to play in the NFL. Um, uh, but obviously he, he, that didn't happen. He got cut after playing at Miami, uh, from a CFL team and he had $7 in his pocket. And from there he, he worked and grinded and took every opportunity he had and, now is a WWE legend, you know, one of the most top grossing actors in Hollywood. And now, if, if you haven't seen, he he's part of the team that just uh, bought the XFL for $15 million. And, you know, something The Rock said stood out to me. And, and I think especially for those out there looking to get in the industry or who had an offer or who was with a team and got let go, it's you got to have faith in the process. And, um, you know, oftentimes the things that you want to happen may be the best things that never happened. And I know that take a second to, to sink in, but what he's really saying there is just have faith in the process. And sometimes one vision, that's just one vision. There's so much out there. And once there's that uncertainty, anything's possible. So keep grinding, keep building those relationships. And, and like I said, uh, kind of funnily into my last point, uh, reach out to me, feel free. Uh, Mike at gameplanu.org. Like I said, I would love to, to have a virtual cup of coffee uh, with career seekers, with my industry colleagues. And, you know, we'll just discuss anything you'd like to discuss. So again, I think that's all for me. Uh, let's, let's all get back to work. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Big thanks to, to David and uh, for all the, the audience out there for your active engagement. So for Mike, David, Game Plan U, this is Interview with Influencers. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. Have a great one.